Today's episode of White Sox Business is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. That's all one word, SalvationArmyUSA.org. field people will come and it doesn't happen you have to look at how you're doing business hello and welcome to white Sox business the podcast hosted by a man who woke up on sunday morning feeling stressed out and tense decided the best way to deal with that tension and stress was to read about world war one's battle of verdun and the battle of the somme two battles that saw roughly four million casualties between them and resulted with nobody really winning anything joining me today is the man all those people were fighting over the athletics White Sox reporter James Fegan. James, why do you think it is that I can relate so well to soldiers from over a century ago who were basically trapped inside trenches and knew that merely poking their head out over the top to see what was going on could result in their death and the deaths of those around them? Uh, I don't know, but I don't know if you can relate to them that well since it was actually pronounced Verdun and the Somme, not Verdun and the Somme or whatever the hell you just said. Uh, listen, we don't speak French on this podcast. Well, I'm about to show you some French by cursing at you, you know? Wow. <laughs> Putting me in my place. <laughs> Starting out crisp. <laughs> How was your weekend, James? Uh, pretty good. I can't remember what happened Saturday, but, uh, I think it was well. Went well? Where were you? Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm just trying to literally remember what I did. I think I just sat around, maybe did some transcribing. Um, I saw my aunt on a Sunday, masked up and drove out to the suburbs and whatnot. Why? Because um, I think she, she would want to see me. Eh, I, You know what? Speaking as somebody who's not you, eh. <laughs> It was a small gathering. I mean, that seems like a very, very egotistical assumption that somebody would want to see you. I mean, yeah, but most most of my most of my activities these days are ego driven projects. So, um, True. just just like uh, as ego driven days, as ego driven as everyone, every out of town Sox fan who has uh, piped in to let me know on the survey that how come there was no taking account for the fact. That I live out of town for why you're not attending more White Sox games. I was like, because that would be an answer that provides absolutely no useful input. (laughs) That's right. If you don't live in town, James wants you to know that you're useless. Well, the question is, what do they need to change for to make it more fan friendly to make people attend more? And if the answer is just like, well, I live in Florida, I was like. Are you proposing they move the team to Florida? <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, you're just maybe. like, yeah, I appreciate that's the reason you don't go, but then maybe the question isn't for you. Like, how hard is that to accept? I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of like protagon- everyone thinks that they're protagonists of reality type of shit going on. Listen, everybody, I'm the only person that matters. Nobody cares about you. I took your survey, and if you're listening and you haven't taken James's survey, you should do that, James. Where can they get it? Um, on theathletic.com slash White Sox. (laughs) 
Yes. It was how many? It was what? 25 questions? Yeah. It was originally planned to be 20, but, uh, you know, I, I have a problem editing myself. I was only mentioned in one, so frankly, the survey sucked. Uh, uh, that was when Greenberg stuck in, too. I wasn't going to ask anything about the podcast. What the fuck? <laughs> All right. On mental note. Fuck yeah. Greenberg. All right. No, so Greenberg is the one who vouched for you. I, I'm the one who doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, but he should have. The, the response should have been Fernelli's great, but Fegan is annoying. That doesn't sound like a survey question. No, but it would have been the most popular answer, I'm sure. It, um, yeah, but you know, it's not, it's not a popularity context. It's uh, it's it's genuine research. It's a popular. That's why there's a question about which beat writer would win a cage match. Yeah, <laughs> I voted for Daryl. Sorry, I would vote for Daryl too. Yeah. Uh, there, there was, you know, you don't remember what you did on Saturday, which tells me that you were getting drunk in a group of a thousand people recklessly ignoring all rules and regulations. We, we had a secret Lollapalooza. That committing we crimes. Yep. That's what you were up to. I don't remember. Yeah. Convenience. Just like the Red Sox. They don't remember whether they cheated or not. Oh, well, let's just dock them a draft pick and make them fire the video guy and move on while nobody's paying attention. But we actually had some White Sox news Kinda over the weekend, uh, like kind of the absence of news made some news. You think about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no development. There's been no change in status. Yeah. yeah, Forbes reported on Saturday. I think it was. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe Friday. But uh, the Yankees and White Sox, for those of you who remember, are scheduled to play in the Field of Dreams game in August. And uh, well, you know what? I'm just going to read from the Forbes article instead oh, of telling God. you telling you to go to it because holy shit, does that site take forever to load? And I I was literally it's not like I'm on an old computer. I just got a new computer a few weeks ago, and like loading this site. First of all, it does the thing where you know it asks you to disable your ad blocker, which fine. I will. I don't really appreciate you doing that, but I understand it from your point of view. So you unblock the ad blocker and then reload the page, and then there's so many goddamn ads on the page that the page refuses to fucking load. So fuck you, sites who do that. But anyways, so you don't have to waste your time spending 20 minutes watching it loading. From the article, Major League Baseball has yet to determine whether there will be a season because of the spread of the crypt, blah, blah, blah. Construction continues on the tiny Iowa ballpark where a game is still scheduled to be played between the Yankees and White Sox on August 13th at the Field of Dreams in Dyersville, Iowa. MLB confirmed Friday to Boomski. Who the fuck is Boomski? It's the author, Barry Bloom. That's how he writes everything that he does. Does anybody? All right. Let's get into this. Do you know Barry Bloom? <laughs> I have not interacted with him, but I know him by reputation. Did Barry <laughs> Bloom decide that his name was Boomski, or did people actually call him Boomski? At some, and obviously on some level, he has determined personally that this is how he will be referred to. Because here's the thing. If somebody refers to themselves by a nickname, odds are they gave themselves that nickname. I would definitely say like, it's not like his editor was like, he's like, well, can we just have it simply just my name? And his editor's like, no, we are trying to pump you up in your personality. We got to have, we got to write it this way so that everybody knows that it's, you know, a, a Boomski exclusive. 
there's there's some cognitive dissonance here for me because it's like you know you think of Forbes and what Forbes is technically reporting on, which is you know business and that kind of stuff, and then it's like MLB confirmed to boom ski on baseball. I mean, um, their their sports writing arm for the last or their sports writing project extension the last like year or so has kind of moved beyond the um just purely the business perspective just kind of writing about the sport in general just kind of what you, you i don't know might find a site like the sporting news or uh leecher reporter or some other like online um outlet kind of giving some degree of analysis opinion on just sports stories it doesn't who writes like- on basketball dunksky <laughs> uh didn't like i think like jason pat has written for uh um, he does some freelance stuff for them, writing about the Bulls. But I just, I mean, does, I'm going to ask him if he calls himself Patsky on basketball. Please do. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. I talked to Dan Evans, uh, who is a close friend of Ed Farmer for the Ed Farmer story. Uh, Dansky, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a consultant for the MLB Field of Dreams. So, yeah, we just kind of chit-chatted about it, but about how, you know, they still hope it comes around. I didn't really think of it as a news story that basically there hasn't been anything that's changed and that have it well, you know what? That's why he's boomski and you're not scoopski. I mean, as you look out like if you go to like a White Sox website, like they literally haven't like blocked out even like I don't know, May as specifically postponed until it actually is. So I mean, something that's even in August is not, obviously, they're not going to have formally announced that it's canceled or shut down yet. Or, or if they have, they would kind of put it out there. So the fact that it's, they're kind of continuing until they don't, uh, it's kind of, I don't know, just kind of something I assumed. I, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like it's <laughs> unlikely, um, yes. given the fact that nothing, I mean, it'd be crazy. Like, let's add a foresight to the playing with no fans. One of <laughs> fourth of the league is going to be playing in the middle of Iowa in the My, cornfield. I mean, I know this is, again, I, I say this with the context of knowing, like, you know, the world needs to keep spinning and things have to keep happening. But I love the fact that in the article, like, the one paragraph says, you know, construction continues under strict adherence to CDC and state protocols, including social distancing, washing hands, temperature checks on workers before arriving at the site. And then the next thing is safeguarding public health is MLB's top priority. If it was really the top priority, they'd probably just say, you know what? No, we don't need to get this field ready for the game. Because this is, like, not the most important thing for us. I mean, maybe they want it built no matter what. I don't know. Um, maybe they're just thinking that if you build it, they will come. Maybe it's just two guys on opposite ends of the park kind of, like, nailing wooden slats up, and they're not coming <laughs> in contact with each other at all. And It's it's a low-risk activity. But I, I think it's probably still far enough out where they don't feel this immediate, like, need to cancel it or shut it down um the way they would for say you know even the all-star game but the fact that they've already they have already postponed the all-star game right or, or made some sort of statement oh, it's about so it hard to remember what they've done probably means that this game's death knell isn't far behind but they could just postpone it and do it in 2021 with two different teams maybe not a team that uh i would have to drive out to cover but uh, you know it's it's up to them really <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most devastated, how devastated will you be when the Field of Dreams game is canceled? I mean, t- two at this point, because <laughs> it's already kind of like a given. Um, there was at some point where I was talking with our the, our Yankees writer, Lindsay Adler, that like 
Um, we neither of us were very excited about having to do this uh, when it was first announced, but uh, I, love, when, I love baseball writers. When baseball was shut down, uh, there was at some point in April we were lamenting. It's like, man, I'd I'd be up for going out driving out to Iowa for no damn reason at all right <laughs> but, now to see some see some baseball. My, my, what I love about baseball writers is like ninety five percent of them got into writing about baseball because they love baseball, and then it's like when they're writing about baseball, it's like I don't want to have to cover this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like um, you're, you're it's like family that you would live and die for, and uh, you know, give your life to protect. But most of the time, when you're interacting with them, it's just like, oh fuck, what is it now? <laughs> in a in a slight change, uh. I mean, I don't think that game's going to happen, but this no. wasn't on the rundown, but it was published just before we started recording. Jeff Passon of ESPN wrote a column in which the headline is, and it's a long column, so unlike the Forbes column, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I haven't even finished reading it myself. I just perused it. But the headline is, there will be MLB in 2020. It's just a matter of when, where, and how. Now, keep in mind, don't ask. You know, passing writers don't write the headlines, so I haven't read the whole thing. So maybe that's not really what we should take away from what he wrote, but that's an optimistic headline, at least. And if Passon is saying that, that's a good sign because he's pretty well connected. I mean, is it optimistic or is it fact based? And it's just, you know, fact, I mean, money's it's a it's a multi billion dollar business. They're going to jam something through ill advised, whether or not it like falls apart and doesn't work and. We'll end up getting like three games in before the season's canceled is another element, but I think they're definitely going to try something. All right. Well, here's a question for you. Would you rather they play, they get, they have a plan, they get it in, they play the whole thing, White Sox suck, or would you rather they only get to play five games, but the White Sox are 5-0 and and they get to claim a championship? <laughs> Just from like, what do I think fans would want, or what, <laughs> what like, do you think? What would fact, be more think, enjoyable to cover? I think I'm going to tweet that out as a poll. <laughs> to see, I, I think that would, like, would you rather claim a phony bullshit 2020 title or have a full season to watch? I think I would rather see the full season because mostly I can feel like there's so this is such an absurd situation. There's so many mitigating circumstances, like if. Just for any player, like if Lucas Giolito had like zero command and his like velocity was down and he just like got tattooed all of 2020 playing, having restarted in the middle of the year, playing in Arizona where the balls break different and like this absurd like work, like this very different uh, atmosphere here for his routine. Wouldn't you just kind of be like. Oh, who knows what that means? I mean, 2020 was, you know, a fever dream. It like it wouldn't really like destroy your confidence for him to be any good in 2021. And I feel like you could apply that out to like everybody. Like if if LOA had like a season long slump for 2020, you'd be like, well, it was crazy fake baseball that was or artificial baseball. You know, yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine and bounce back in 2021 when like the season isn't like some bizarre parody of the sport and half the season is canceled and, you know, he's not allowed to prepare like normal, like compared to like this type of distractions that we're willing to um, give players an allowance for, or kind of write off as a, a reason why they were, why they were a little bit off. Like, I feel like this almost trumps everything. Like if 
like we were talking this like spring training about like, well, you know, Nomar Mazar has been bad, but he was dealing with the thumb sprain, apparently bothered him for a year and a half. You know, give him another whirl. I feel like if hey, Nomar Mazar was bad, but he was playing like in a quarantine bubble and he didn't get proper time to prepare. I, I feel like we give just as much like credit to that excuse for poor performance as we would for anything else. And, you know, even the White Sox sucked. I don't think you'd be like, well, cancel the rebuild. It'd be like, well, uh, 2020 was absurd. You know, go get them next year when there's a vaccine. I will bet you that when I post this poll, more people will vote for the fake title. <laughs> Probably, yes. I almost kind of want to tweet it now before I forget. But remind me after we're done recording to send that tweet out. And if you're listening and, you're, and you've already voted in the tweet, whoa, crazy. You just hacked the Zoom meeting is what you've done. Woo! Uh, okay, so <clears throat> moving on. What Passon did also write in his article or his column about all this possibility of baseball returning, he mentioned the minor league season, which is, in his estimation, probably not going to happen. It's uh, not great. And you wrote last week about how things are going with the White Sox minor league affiliates, but I think we'll start with the larger overall picture in that MLB – as we know, wants to cut the minor leagues down from roughly 160 teams to 120. And while there was a lot of pushback from that plan when it initially leaked and there was a lot of support behind the minor league teams and their owners with like, you know, like government Congress support to not let that happen. Coronavirus hit. And now that's kind of been moved to the back burner. Unlike the field of dreams game. (laughs) It's been moved to where nobody's really thinking about Behind it. And the stove it's, entirely. And it's starting to look like that we're going to definitely at some point, maybe not during this situation, but in the near future, we're going to see the miners get cut to 120 teams. So, I mean, how does that affect the White Sox? And really anything, like it, we look at the White Sox affiliates, how many are there now? There's Charlotte. I mean, there's... Birmingham. Are you counting like independent... Affiliates that are independent businesses, because DSL and AZL are basically owned by the White Sox and run mm-hmm. by the White Sox. They would not yeah. ever be. They they could cut them as part of trimming their operations, but there's no, they wouldn't. And it, it's not like a separate business agreement. But I mean, if you're, like if you're counting the separate entities, it's five. It's the short season team in Great Falls, Montana, mm-hmm. and it's low A, high A, double A, triple A. So doing some quick... You know, I took calculus senior year high school math just to impress you. 120 divided by 30 would be four affiliates per team. That's just me being smart. So that would tell me that the White Sox are going to have to cut at least one of them. Right. And Great Falls was the team that was on the initial plan of teams to be cut because uh, I feel like short season leagues, uh, rookie leagues, it would be the, the, the team that's kind of like on the chopping block because teams feel like they can do that internally on their complexes in the backfields. And uh, kind of run their own rookie league affiliate. Uh, you know, and you talk to any farm league director, or you talk to Chris Getz for sure. Um, they talk about the benefit of sending guys out on an affiliate on their own, how they kind of feel like they're on a real team, and it really kind of like is more of a atmosphere that maybe pushes them towards you know, self sufficiency. You really can't just really backfields play is really low energy, really low intensity. And um, remember, remember when you were in little league and you had practice on Wednesday after school. Yeah, there you go. It's like that. Um, you know, even even Mike Rodolfo has talked about like one of the big things for him as a, in his career was just getting out of like 
out of a EZL ball and just playing like in front of zero fans. It's just hard to focus. Um, so yeah, there, I, I definitely think there's a benefit to having short season leagues and, um, you know, gets even talked at SoxFest uh, about how they love having great falls and how they think it's really useful for them. And, uh, I talked to, uh, Scott Reasoner, who's the president of great falls and said that they're really, they've been with the white Sox for like 17 years and they have a great relationship and they want to keep it going. And they hope that, uh, this kind of situation is not going to give, uh, not going to kind of push further along this MLB's goal of, uh, of wanting to eliminate affiliates. But I feel like it's bigger than what the White Sox alone can control. Um, I, I don't think it's coming from the White Sox if we want to get rid of Great Falls at all. I, th- I think they like having them, but it seems like the league's larger goal of cutting affiliates is going to maybe override that. Um, it, they just. They see it less as like we absolutely have to have these short season teams. It's kind of like this provides the least utility just on the basis that they can come closest to replicating their purpose uh, with their own facilities. They make the least revenue because it's a shorter season and it's the lowest level talent. So it it would be the first on the chopping block. And I think there is that risk. Uh, And even not even talking to to Reasoner, but just to other. general managers of minor league teams they felt like this is kind of the perfect storm it's going to put all a lot of teams in this desperate situation where like they want to do anything to maintain their agreement with major league baseball because they're in such financial dire straits because of this and because of the fact that a lot of teams that they're putting up on the chopping block that have older facilities that have lower revenues are not going to survive this um outage of play already without some assistance or without help it's just going to break the will of minor league baseball to really resist this plan uh by major league baseball even though pretty much anyone who could who monitors player development or who is on the ground uh with minor league baseball knows that this is uh objectively a bad idea that makes the game worse i was wondering like do you think there's a chance charlotte could go not because it's you know not a profitable team, but because MLB would want to remove it simply because it has plans to add an expansion franchise there soon. That would be really hard because of the stadium. They Charlotte's AAA stadium was very much a statement of we don't anticipate getting a major league team anytime soon. It's right smack in the middle of downtown. It's like across the street from – it's literally like across the street from the Carolina Panthers stadium. It is not expandable. It is like – under 20,000 people capacity and it fills up its entire like land plot on its own. There's not really room in that like area for, to add additional parking. It's really kind of tightly jammed right in the middle of downtown. It, you know, it works perfectly as is, but if they want to put a major league team in Charlotte, they can't, it's not like they can just add easily 20,000 seats to that that ballpark and it's not like they can easily add more room for the infrastructure that you have for a normal ballpark in terms of like parking and and the surrounding area so um it would really be really complicated to just kind of like try to say um to just try to like stack a, a new franchise into charlotte as is and and really charlotte was interested in a major league team for years and um i think charlotte stadium was like out of the city limits or something absurd for the longest time but I, I, wanna, I wanna say it's 2013 when they got the new ballpark or something like that. Something recent. I, I think I might be completing it with Birmingham. But it was in the, within the last 10 years I got that ballpark. And that was saying when they made it, all right, we're not getting a major league team. Let's have the nicest ass AAA team, nicest ass AAA park uh, in the league. And now they do. So to then pivot 
you know, five years later and say, oh, let's let's jam a major league team on it. Uh, it would it would there are a lot of complications. It'd be, you know, a few huge like, can you freaking believe that they're trying to do this now after all this time type of situation? Pretty simple fix. You just dig deeper. So you have you have short dimensions, but really high walls. Boom. Problem so, solved. So uh, that they would have like the Andy Wilkins season uh, all over again, where some guy who could just pop up high fly balls, yeah. hits like 40 bombs and gets called up to uh, the White mm-hmm. Sox and has a 500 OPS. Hell yeah. Pop ups are the new market inefficiency. All thanks to Charlotte. It it definitely would be fun to see fans lose their minds over the over uh, you know some some uh, some both uh, some guy who's not good putting up insane numbers there and some really stud prospect like struggling because it's not baseball. But getting getting to the affiliates that do exist still in their current states, we talked some about you know Great Falls and your discussions there. But what what are the teams? I mean, you wrote an article about it. What are the teams that you've talked to? The people you talk to? What are they doing right now when they have nothing? And as we mentioned, there's a very good chance they're not going to have anything all season. Um, they're battening down the hatches. Uh, both the Knights and the Dash had uh, done done layoffs of some kind, uh, mostly in the departments where you're obviously not using them much right now, like ticket sales and uh, media relations and whatnot. Uh, There's not really much to do, but um, they're trying to do social media stuff. Uh, Like the Birmingham Barons are like streaming uh, simulated MLB, the show games on Twitch. You know, if you wanted to see Lincoln Hensman shut down uh, an opposing team. I uh, do. you got the opportunity. I don't know. I'm not sure where Mike Rodolfo was playing center field in their simulation, but it seems like they they won anyway. So maybe the the the, the Twitch version of uh, who's Birmingham's manager now? Uh, I forget. Ryan Newman knows more than all of us. The former NASCAR driver. Uh, yeah, it's not the same guy, but I think it's the same name. Actually, he might not be former. He might still be a NASCAR driver. Do you think we should move the podcast to Twitch? Because that's the thing about the quarantine is that everything is on Twitch now. Uh, yes, we should. Um, just so we can have people live commenting and uh, uh, insulting us during the, during the entire time. Um, to further answer what minor league teams are doing, um, yeah, I, I, I guess they're trying to like cut back. and I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you did mention. Too, I, like, I would say that they're uh, okay. But the other point I was going to make is that they are all like. I think Winston Salem Dash is the oldest in terms of their park, in terms of it being like eleven years old. But they're all really fancy new stadiums. They're mostly right in the center of downtown and the center of like the downtown revitalization projects that the city is like organized. They're all in situations where I feel like they would have a lot of support to not kind of waste away because I feel like they're very much entrenched in the uh, whatever mayoral administration or chamber of commerce's vision of how the that community. city will, will function economically. So as much as I don't I'm not in favor of public subsidies for sports, like it's very few situations where it's like basically what Kannapolis's ballpark was last year, where it's just like some old park on the uh, outskirts of town that you know if the business goes under people kind of shrug their shoulders and maybe move on they're all kind of very much entrenched and like uh i was talking to winston salem's uh president um cj johnson like they host 320 events per year and they host like nine high school proms like that park is open constantly 
So right now, yes, that just makes it all the more stark what they don't have. But I feel like they there's a lot of uh, they're very much connected to what their city does. Um, and even Canapolis, they their their brand new park that they're about to open for the season is delayed. But it's like right in the middle of this whole new like re remade downtown with you know a currently closed movie theater and a currently closed new brewery. I, I think they're all in relatively good situations as far as um, their development, their their and getting support from uh, um, local governments as far as like uh, rent abatements and uh, small business loans and, and payroll protection, and just because um, they're viewed as kind of very essential to their vision of the city, if that makes sense. I would say, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that at Winston Salem they have like an indoor event place to hold the proms, but. I'm just now picturing well, all, like all proms got canceled. No, I'm just saying though. I'm just now picturing proms that when they were going on being held on the infield and like all the dresses getting covered in dirt, <laughs> people tripping over the mound. I think they put a they can they can, they have the functionality to put a stage <laughs> onto the ballpark. So is it? It's on like the field. I I. I I, you didn't ask I, I a can, follow-up? I confess not asking follow-ups about the prompts. It wow. made sense that they'd be able to swing it. I mean, There's a lot of concourse area. You know, I've seen a lot of... There are a lot of concerts that are held in ballparks where they just slap a stage onto the onto the field. It, it didn't seem like this thing where I nearly needed to hash out all the details. The, the Great Falls GM saying that, you know, they have delivery of nachos by mascot door-to-door. That's what I felt like I needed to ask a follow-up on. Well, follow-up on it. Would you order nachos from a mascot? I, I feel like, you know, it, it, if I got really, like, stir-crazy by June, July, which is when um, the short season Great Falls this season usually starts, maybe maybe I would. But right now it seems like, uh, why am I going to pay double the price of nachos uh, when I can get them at home? Because I'm literally stuck here, as opposed to at the ballpark where you're stuck there, and that's the reason you pay the, the upcharge. But. <clears throat> Don't you think it's cruel though to have like a mascot deliver nachos simply because the mascot has to bring the nachos to you, but a mascot itself is incapable of eating the nachos because its hands can't singularly pick up each chip and dip it in the cheese. I don't know how to interact with mascots in general. Am I supposed to talk at them? They don't talk back. It's very strange. I know there's an adult in there. Like, are we supposed to, what am I, am I treating them as, uh, as Maybe Southpaw. just treat him as a human being, James. Well, as a human being, am I supposed it's to be like, not really hey, that complicated how to name? treat a person. <laughs> as I was treating a human being, I would say, hi, how are you? Or what's your name? Then and say that to the mascot. Say, hey, Southpaw, how are you? And then Southpaw will like nod or he'll make some sort of gesticulation. And hopefully you have an IQ high enough to figure out what he's trying to convey to you through body language. Like, uh, what's the name of the Royals mascot? Like Stomper or something? Slugger. Slugger. I was uh, I was walking in the Coffin Stadium. I think it was last season, and I am waiting for the elevator, and I hear like this pounding noise start running up to me, and I turn around, and it's Stomper or Slugger riding up in like his little like bicycle that he still like walks like Flintstone style or something, and he just like stares at me. I have no idea what to say back, and. I don't know if I grunted or said hello, but we rode in the elevator with each other. It was very awkward. I just didn't know how I was supposed to interact with him. Like, am I supposed to be hostile? Is he the enemy? Is he? A, is he in character? How would you have interacted with right that? Now? How would you have interacted if you'd turned around and it had been Scott Merkin? 
<laughs> that she just is confused. <laughs> like, are you? Are these your off hours? Or are you? Are you in character as Merc? So, so again, I'm starting to think the problem isn't that you don't know how to interact with mascots; it's that you don't know how to interact with people. Maybe. 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 Cam, remind me later to look deeper into this. We're gonna we're gonna interview some people James knew in his life growing up to see if we find a common theme of him just staring at them dumbfounded when they say hello. This is going to be like the new 60 Minutes. This is going to be White Sox <laughs> 60 Minutes. I'm excited for this one. We're going to line up some interviews. I remember I said hi to him once and he just stared at me and drooled on his own shirt. He flipped me in the middle finger while wearing a wife beater and had some like <laughs> rum and coke in his hand. The photo that is sweeping I have not drank rum and coke since college. Too sweet, Cam. I don't think anybody's really had rum and coke since college because you're no, it is too sweet. But I did like it in college. Fine. It was like at some point where I was at a Notre Dame Purdue game and I had brought rum and coke with me for the weekend Cam. and I had Cam. a drink and I was like, I hate this. I don't want to have this anymore. Yeah, I had, I remember when I was fishing a couple years ago, I think was the last time I had rum and coke. I went fishing with my dad. And we had stopped at like some store and it was like, we we're just trying to get some booze. And I was like, I, I bought like a big old bottle of Captain Morgan and a two liter of Coke. And I was like, all right, I'll just have some of this. And I had, I got like halfway through on it. I was just like, yeah, that's why I stopped. It's like, this is a lot of sugar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Once, especially the ulcers, once the ulcers start forming, you know, you reach like the upper limits of how much pop you can consume. Yeah. Like feel the ulcers forming. <laughs> when you're sitting out on a boat in like the in in like a hot sunny day and you're drinking a rum and coke, it's just it's like, man, no, this was this oh, was a bad wow. choice. <laughs> Could use some H2O to get the taste of this out of my mouth. Yeah. I'll just drink this river water. That's <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, they speak- should if they should have a guy who's selling river water um, <laughs> following up the guy who's selling <laughs> rum and cokes in the stands at guaranteed rate. <laughs> Straight from the Chicago River. They have them trail them by like 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, speaking of questionable decisions, the NFL draft was over the weekend, James. and uh, Was it? It was. And you that's what you did on Saturday. You were watching rounds four, five, six, and seven of the NFL. Uh, I think the answer to what I did on Saturday is I'm almost done with all 100 episodes of Jane the Virgin. <laughs> Our listeners don't know, uh, from last Thursday or Friday, was it episode released? <laughs> Thursday. Or we, not released. Yeah, we recorded an entire segment <laughs> with James Kuyper Jr. in which I asked James a series of questions about NFL draft prospects in which he did not know anything about because James doesn't care about the NFL the NFL draft. But that was that was the gimmick. That was the hook of, of the segment. But it was deemed by all three of us to be a little too hot for public why do you think this one's gonna go better because we're not gonna talk about um harry rugs <laughs> yes <laughs> but no we're gonna talk a little bit about the bears draft simply because it was a major sporting event it was the first major sporting event in a while and i do spend a lot of my time doing this for a living so james what do you think of the bears draft class they track a Notre Dame player, James. Always a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess their tight ends are good, but injury prone. Rudolph's still in the league, right? Yeah. He's like 35. Yeah, but like, 
I remember watching him as a. Yep. At least now a, that drop's going to make it to an actual show, Cam. I don't think he's 35 because I'm pretty sure he went to college the same time I did. I remember watching. How him. old are you? I'm 33 next month. Okay. And was he ahead of you? Oh, no. He's, I think Kyle he's Rudolph me. is only 30? Yeah, because he was like Clausen's, one of the Clausen's targets. How the fuck is Kyle Rudolph only 30? Uh, he, he's, he's young. It feels like he's been in the league forever. Although that could just be remembering him from his Notre Dame days, but yeah, he's thirty, November ninth, nineteen eighty nine. Wow, he's younger than James. I think he caught an actual touchdown pass from Dane Christ, which is probably like his greatest career accomplishment. Did you bully him at school because you were older than him? I don't think we were in any classes together. Were you? You were you walking up to him in your in your white t shirt that was three sizes too large, <laughs> and your hat that's like only barely on top of your head, just hanging on by a curl, and be like, "Sup, bitch, get out of my way." Uh, no, that was not how I acted towards the uh, scholarship football players in uh, at Notre Dame. I had uh, I had classes with David Bruton. He was a cool dude. There was I can't remember his name. There was a uh, a linebacker at Illinois when I was in Champaign. And we was were it at Jay Layman? No, it wasn't Jay Layman. Jay Layman was after my time. But he was injured and he was on crutches. And we were having a party at my friend's apartment in a building. And the floor below, there was a party with some football players there. And he was one of them. And he was very much intoxicated. And he was on crutches and he came up because he wanted to be in our party because our party was louder and better. <laughs> but he comes storming in on crutches, like swinging them around. <laughs> It was like, oh, boy. Because he was a large, large man. But it's like, all right, somebody's got to get him out of here or calm him down. But there was nobody that was really interested in being the one to do it. So finally, I had to go up there. I was like, hey, dude, what's up, man? He's like, that he's just like, oh, just party, man. How's he doing? I was like, yeah, uh, can can you not swing your crutch around and knock shit over? That'd be kind of cool if you stopped doing that. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I was just having a good time. And then he left. Um, I don't think any football players were involved, but some varsity athletes, like, because I, 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 one of my friends was a, like, the third string catcher on Notre Dame's baseball team, and he, like, tore his ACL, and, like, my roommate was, like, our best intramural athlete, and he tore his ACL, too, and at some point, there was dudes jousting with crutches and scooters in the middle of the hallway of the section, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I, I didn't stick around that long, but I assume someone got badly hurt at some point. <laughs> And Cam, do me a favor. Make a note to bleep out the player's name. I probably shouldn't just name drop somebody like that on the show. <laughs> well, this not segment's going like, great. Yeah, not that he's like, you know, world famous or anything. It's just, you know, you, you don't need to have that go out publicly that you are being drunk and stupid at a party. Only James. James Fegan, drunk and stupid at a party on Saturday with 100 other people not socially distancing. Wow. Uh, well, wow. no one's talking to me, so I'm always distancing it that way. No, the White Sox. They're the, the White Sox. The Bulls had a draft. They took the Bulls, the Bears. It's all what I mean. Well, the Bulls were the other story simply because of the last dance on Sunday night. But hiring a GM, but you know, it's a twenty-two-year-old documentary too. Hiring a GM at fucking twelve thirty in the morning. Yeah, boss, winning time. <laughs> what time is it? Hire GM time. Woof. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't really have any overarching takes on the Bears draft simply because A, 
I'm not somebody who is all like grade the draft because grading a draft five minutes after it happens is one of the singularly most stupid things done in sports media, but it's done because people like it and they want to be told their teams did well or good, but nobody fucking knows. When it comes to grading a draft, I tend to grade a process more than the picks because... It seems like giving up value to trade up to get a defensive end in the fourth round is certainly something that has the potential to look stupid down the road for sure and it's here i mean when you get to the later rounds and you're trading up i i'm not a huge fan of trading up in a draft but with those late round picks it's not a big deal to me simply because the value on them is so you know scattershot for the most part right but my problem, like you mentioned, they, they traded up in the fifth to take Travis Gibson, uh, an edge rusher out of Tulsa. And it's not the player because, I mean, you know, player evaluations differ from person to person and nobody really knows. You're just making educated guesses. But for me, the problem is that you traded a pick from next year's draft. So now in 2021, you're already down a draft pick. And you traded it to a division rival. So it's like when you do that, like you said, now that Travis Gibson has to be good. Because if he's not good, you've kind of mortgaged your future a little bit and you've helped out a team that you have to face twice a year. So it's like you, you leave yourself a very small margin of error. And you could say this same thing about the later trade. They traded again in the fifth round. But again, I don't mind it as much in that point with the picks that they gave up for Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver. But when you trade up for a guy, that guy has to be good. Or he has to at least prove to be a productive player or else it's going to be a bad deal no matter what you do now. I'm trying to figure out if it would be cool or add more intrigue or something actually fun to cover if you could trade uh, picks in the MLB draft or if it just provoke even dumber debates about like more guys who are not going to make the majors. <laughs> oh, I would hear one thing that would happen if you could do that is there would be one team that literally does nothing but trade every single one of its players for draft picks. Yeah, there'd definitely be like at least a uh, five. The Rays teams. would do that. They're like, doing nothing but weird bonus pool mm-hmm. shenanigans constantly mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. like weekend. That would just be nauseating to cover. And yeah, I'm already hating it. Oh yeah, what's <laughs> that? You want bring this up? You want this like first baseman that nobody had heard of two months ago who's now hitting 330 with an OPS of 900 for a first round draft pick? Sure, he's yours. Take him. <laughs> like. Some team would definitely have like make 19 inscrutable trades to randomly have like eight million dollars available in the ninth round uh-huh. and do something weird with it. Yeah, I mean, I think it would, I, I, I don't think it would be a bad thing, but I do think it would just be so, it, it would be the hot, the new hotness where it's like we've already delved into you have to, you know, hug your, your prospects as tightly as possible because they're the most valuable little assets you'll ever go to see and they're so cute and too. Well, the prospects no longer matter. It's the picks we use to get the prospects that are the most coveted thing. And then the prospects, once the prospects are kind of like, eh, whatever, I can trade them for more draft picks. Like some team would be being praised for being smart just because their plan was so like. Because it worked once. Like it was so complicated. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, they must be up to something good. I, like- I called I called the general manager and I talked to him for half an hour about his his plan and his philosophy. And I didn't understand a fucking word he said. I mean, it's pretty good. It's smart shit. You guys like they, they make 19 trades to like be able to sign out, like sign away this, uh, uh, high school arm for overslot. And then he blows out mm-hmm. TJ three years later. Yeah. But, but back to the bears draft. Uh, 
I, I didn't, again, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I didn't really like taking Cole Komet, but that could have just really been that I thought there was a much better player available, but, you know, my my assessment could prove to be very wrong. Cole Komet might be a very good player. Who knows? I'm just happy that even though Ryan Pace traded up, he didn't do what he did last year, in which he not only traded up into the third round to draft a running back, giving up multiple picks in the process, but then drafted another running back in the same draft. Because I always hate trading up for any running back. And then to draft a second running back, which are the most fungible, least valuable positions as far as draft value, is just incredibly dumb. And I just want to say, and I tweeted it last week, but we spend way too much time giving Ryan Pace shit for Mitch Trubisky not working out, which, whether you agreed with it at the time, trading up to get a quarterback is something you want to trade up for if you have a belief in that quarterback. You just have to hope it works out fine. It didn't, and that sucks, and he's going to lose his job because of it. But we spend way too much time focusing on that and not enough time focusing on the fact that he traded up to draft a running back and then drafted a second running back in the same draft, and then the offense pretty much ignored that running back all season long, and the other running back that they drafted, they released and ended up on a different team where he's actually been somewhat productive. <laughs> which, which one's the last one? Kareth White, who I think, I mean, he played, I think they played in a game against the Bears or like in his first game as just like a backup after James Conner. The Steelers had a bunch of injuries. Kareth White actually played well. <laughs> but it's just because last year, and here's here's the thing about Cole Komet. Last year going into here's the Here's the thing offseason, about Cole Komet, 27 to 3 strikeout the walk ratio this year, uh, well, pitching maybe, out of the bullpen. Maybe, maybe we should get some two-way action going there, but... Like last year, going into the offseason, we were told, or the, the the line, the story was, you know, Jordan Howard does not fit in our offense. We're going to get rid of Jordan Howard. We're going to bring in a running back that is a better fit for our offense, and it's going to help us get to the next level. So that's who David Montgomery was supposed to be. The offense regressed. Now this offseason, it's, well, you know what the problem was? The problem was we just don't have that tight end, that tight end that is super, super critical for Matt Nagy's offense, the guy that can fit that role. So we're going to go get that tight end. And then after you signed a tight end to Jimmy Graham in free agency, you went and used your first pick in the draft on another tight end. So for me, it's more skepticism about, okay, well, it better fucking work. Because this is last year it was running backs. That wasn't the problem. The problem is that you don't have a damn philosophy in the run game and you just match up like week to week. Get, depending on who you're facing, you decide this is going to be our philosophy. You need a fucking philosophy in the run game. Anyways, Cole Komet, I hope he works. But if he doesn't work or if he does work and the offense still sucks, maybe think about the fact you waited to the seventh round to draft an offensive lineman when the biggest problem on your offense last year was your offensive line. And the guy that many considered to be the, quote, best player on your offensive line who was hurt all the time anyway, retired. How much, how, 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 how like, intensive is, like, summer practice for football? Do you need to be there every day? Could you be available for the occasional um the occasional inning where there's a couple lefties stacked in the order. That, that's what I'm getting as I look at the stat profile of his <laughs> pitching days. Could he, could he just like hop on hop on I ninety and come down and you know pitch the seventh? Maybe Cole Komet could be the new Jeff Samarja. Bummer, bummer can't bummer can't pitch every freaking day. Can't he? I mean, it seems like they're exploring the possibility of it last season, but now that you've signed him for I don't know, eleven years. Maybe he may have just helped a bit. All right. Well, James, I guess what every, we got to get to now is grade the Bears draft. How'd they do? Give them a grade. Uh, they failed. Wow. You heard it here. <laughs> James Kuyper Jr. giving the Bears and Ryan Pace an F. 
Yeah. You're Why a, not? No, you're no, a harsh no grader. You're a harsh grader, but I respect your grade. Yeah. I know that I know that you you have conviction conviction behind it. I figured the only way anyone would ever remember it if it was absolutely just absurdly out of step and negative. Uh, that's the way to survive in this media climate. Is uh, you know, and 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 if if Ryan Pace wants to uh, you know, come and question it, you know, trial by combat. That's the way we hash these things out. <laughs> uh, time for shout outs. I mentioned earlier about the last dance on Sunday night being appointment television. So I'm going to shout out Horace Grant who I knew wasn't going to have a major role in this documentary simply based on the fact that Michael Jordan didn't really like him. <laughs> So you have to figure he wasn't going to be in there a lot. But even in a small, somewhat cameo appearance, Horace delivered the quote of the sh- of the two hours by just saying that the Pistons were, quote, straight up bitches after they walked off the court in the 1991 Eastern Conference Finals. James, who's your shout out for? Do you think they're going to have more time? I mean, I think it's relevant, if you really want to cover this story, to uh, Horace's nephew, Jerry and Grant's uh, dominant Notre Dame basketball career. I think an episode should be dedicated. That's episode to nine. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, can I, I say I, one more thing, though? I like it being close to the climax. Say one more thing to Isaiah Thomas, who pointed out how the Celtics walked off the court early, like a few years before in their series against the Pistons, and nobody gave them shit for it. Isaiah, you idiot. Your context completely ignores the fact that while the Celtics did walk off the court early, they they acknowledged you. Some of them even shook hands, gave you high fives. They showed and hugs a video of him shaking their hands <laughs> of, while doing it. And B, the Celtics weren't a team full of dirty, cheap shot assholes who everybody already hated. People liked them. They weren't a bunch of assholes. So yeah, when the fucking bullies act like babies because they got their ass kicked and walk off the court refusing to say anything and go cry about it in the locker room, they're going to get more shit about it than the other team. Yeah, so, you know, stop trying to rewrite history. Anyway, James, who's your shout-out for? Can I give a take? Hell yeah, you can. Um, I'm sure, and I think I remember as much, that, like, Michael Jordan was, like, probably very uniquely sociopathic <laughs> for yes. his era. As someone who's like lived through like the Jimmy Butler era, this all seems like very tame to me. <laughs> yes. He's like yelling people at people in practice to like complete their defensive assignments and to practice as hard as him. It it seems very wholesome. No one's like been called like you're all bitches and not fit to play with me and I'm leaving and <laughs> I'm demanding a trade or anything like that. Yes. Or any but- of like, you know, the team is secondary, I'm concerned about my personal brand. Like there hasn't been like even if like he that's the subtext. He's not like outright saying it like the way we probably expect to hear all the time. And if he did, you know, there'd probably be like a certain crop of writers like he's looking out for himself. The team isn't going to look out for him. Like he's right to, you know, at a certain degree, he has to provide for his family and whatnot. And who cares? Uh, you know, it, it, I feel like everything that Michael does has become extremely normalized uh, now and maybe taken up to like a, a higher degree. Like we just. We oh, just hell, like the got NBA, through with like, the NBA lives for it. We we <laughs> just got to this new cycle of kind of taking this appreciation for how Kobe Bryant operated when Kobe was like entirely just like taking everything Michael did to like a higher, more yes. absurd, cartoonish degree, just turning it up to eleven a little bit. Everybody like, man, I, I model myself totally after Kobe. I have mama mentality, and like now we have this proto version of it. And we're supposed to be like, man, this is so shocking. <clears throat> and yet, and yet, the the narrative on history is that Michael was an asshole, 
Whereas the players who, when they do it now, it's like, hell yeah. <laughs> but Michael was an asshole for doing it. Like Michael's an asshole, but like now people do it. It's like, yeah, know your worth, Jimmy Butler. Woo, that's right. Take Stand it up to the yourself. man. <laughs> With your $95 million contract. Anyway, who's your shout out for? Uh, my shout out is to my my sister Angela for shaving the back of my neck. Uh, I was tired of seeing um, a, a a huge wall of fuzz uh, every time I looked in the mirror. But she 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 cut my hair while we were watching the Last Dance last night, and I appreciate it because now I look at, I'm I'm back to looking extremely handsome, and that's the standard that you Tom Fornelli established for this podcast. And, and I I, I want to be able to kind of keep step as much as I can. Um, now, really, the the only uh, the laggard is Cam, who uh, discussed both of us. You know, I have, I'm I've got like a quarantine beard going on, in which I've decided I'm not going to trim my beard during all of this. But it's rugged, and uh, you know, yeah. But no, it's it's reaching the point now because today, later this afternoon, for CBS Sports HQ, the online network that we have, I'm doing an hour long show on pretty much like a draft recap, but from a college football angle. Okay, an hour long, unthinkable. Yeah, I know. And it's, you know, but like I haven't trimmed my beard and I'm not going to trim my beard. And up to this point, it hasn't really been a problem because while I haven't been trimming it, it hasn't been like, you know, mountain manny, but it's starting to get pretty mountain manny. <laughs> I'm wondering if I'm going to hear shit from producers like, hey, uh, you're, you're going to have to trim that beard. You can't. <laughs> so we'll find out. What if you hear things from mountain men recruiting you to join their ranks? Well, then I will listen. As long as, you know, we're You're missing the Italian demographic, so you kind of fill out the ranks. <laughs> as long as those mountain men are are willing to abide the six feet of distance between us on the mountain, I'll, get, I'll listen to their to their to their pitch. I was going to say something about going to the Alps, but then I remembered. I don't know if that's in Italy. They are. OK, good. But they're, I mean, it's complicated. <laughs> it's a location of the mountains? No, it's, you know, the, the complication of the portion of Italy where the Alps are located has not always been a part of Italy. And kind of going back to World War One, in which we talked about at the top of the show, that's kind of a result of what happened in World War One. And it's also, there's very, there's somewhat of a cultural difference between like Northern Italy and Southern Italy that's <laughs> Not, Unthinkable to have this, such a split in the country. Not all that indifferent, maybe, from another country. <laughs> so, you know, eh, the Alps are in Italy, yes. Okay. And that's why, like, Italy, if you go to the Winter Olympics, you don't really see Italians in anything. And then all of a sudden, in Alpine skiing, it's like, hey, there's a lot of great Italians in Alpine skiing. How'd that happen? All of a sudden, the, the uh, so much gesticulating with the hands on the uh, the metal stand during Alpine skiing. <laughs> Yes, that's like slalom is really just dodging Italian skiers' hand movements. (laughs) All right, well, now that I've offended my people, I feel like that is a good place to wrap up the show. Thank you for listening. Racist note. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not really racist as much as it's stereotypical. Yeah. Because I don't know. I mean, are Italians a race now? I will gladly file for it. Next time on White Sox Business, (laughs) because (laughs) is Italian a race or ethnicity? I do I do feel like we're a little bit different from most other Europeans. But anyways, so yeah, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Please sign my petition to classify Italians as a separate race and uh, you know, tell a that's, friend that's about it. That's what us. we'll have Sahadev talk about on on Wednesday. 
<laughs> Spoiler alert. We'll be interviewing the Athletics Cubs beat reporter, Sahadev Sharma, later this week. And we'll talk to him about, I don't know, the Cubs, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. So also make sure. How he feels about nudity. And how he feels about nudity and Italian as a race. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later this week.